Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Jesus. It's about how they have been gifted and anointed to lift him up. And we want this to be a safe space for our young people to lift up the name of Jesus. That's what this is all about. We're talking about safe safe spaces. We've been on a series. You see it up there. You've probably been seeing it online. You've been seeing it on social media. You've been seeing it in your email. Hopefully you've been reading your email. And I'm not letting it go into the junk file. Amen. Don't put your hands up. All right, stay here with me. But let me tell you. We've already talked about a safe space for grace. We've talked about a safe space for kids. We've talked about a safe space for women, which we had the privilege of having Renee Holman formally step back with us, if you remember last week, which was a wonderful experience. But today we're talking about a safe space for youth, a safe space for youth. And so I want to invite you now to bow your heads with me as we get ready to talk to the one that we really hope to hear and to see in the next few moments. Let's pray. Father in heaven, here we are again gathered to worship and exalt your name. We've done it through song. We've done it through giving a faithful tithe, a returning of a faithful offering from a cheerful heart. We've done it through prayer. We've done it through hearing the powerful testimony coming from Mike, uh, from, from Nathan, rather, on fray, who really and truly, I don't, I don't need to preach anymore because he already demonstrated what I'm going to talk about today. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in his life and the life of every one of these young people that we're serving up here, but the several more that are behind the scenes have been coordinating and have been practicing and have been using their gifts to the glory of God. I don't know fully how we could even begin to appreciate what you're doing and what we're witnessing in their lives and what it's going to mean for them five years from now, 10 years from now, uh, 50 years from now, on into eternity. Thank you, God, that this can be a safe space for our youth. Arrest our attention, draw us in to see you, to see your character of love unfold for us now vividly, especially in the person of your son, Jesus, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And Holy Spirit, stir our hearts so that we can be released into mission when we leave here today. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, amen. Now, if I could redo my life when I was a teenager, when I was a youth in high school, I would not stress so much about having a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, what I would have done if I could do this, what I would do if I could do it all over is I would focus more on the quality of my friendships. I would focus a lot more on my purpose and discovering what my purpose is in life. And I'm going to share something with you. I'm a little embarrassed to share it, but I think this is a safe space now. Amen? Amen. I'm going to share with you. I had a really good friend. He was like my cousin growing up. And, you know, we did this kind of a game. We did this kind of a challenge. He said, look, man, 
I challenge you. I, 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 I dare you. One of us needs to have a girlfriend by either Christmas or Valentine's Day in February because we don't want to be caught around those dates not having a gift to give to our girlfriend. Yeah, that happened. Because the idea was, man, you had to, if you were, if you were really cool, if you were really like, you know, like, like, like there with your peers, you had to have that special somebody with you. And so you end up spending so much time and getting so, here it is, emotionally invested that you end up getting distracted from focusing on your purpose and the quality of the relationships that God has placed in your life to be a blessing in your life. And if I could go back, that's what I would do. Well, I hope this gives us a little bit of a window to our story today in 1 Samuel chapter 16, into what Samuel was feeling. Samuel had emotionally invested, not in a girlfriend, Sabrina, but he had he'd invested a whole lot of time and a whole lot of energy into the first king of Israel, Saul of Benjamin. And when Saul of Benjamin had begun to, to, to rebel against God, his character of love and his reign of love, when he began to rebel against God and do things his own way, and his pride was exalted, God unfortunately had to get to a point where he had to reject Saul as king. And Samuel, who had put so much time into Saul, who had anointed Saul personally, was grieved. He was in a place of mourning, so much so that God had to eventually step in and say to him, Samuel, how long are you going to grieve? Are you going to mourn over Saul? Now I want to pause parenthetically here for a moment to say to some of you, I believe I can almost hear the voice of the Lord saying to some of us this morning, how long are you going to mourn over that situation? How long are you going to mourn over that possibility that maybe you felt is now lost? How long are you going to mourn over that opportunity that you feel has been lost? How long are you going to mourn over that relationship that you've lost? At some point, believe me, God grieves with us. He mourns with us. He does. He enters into our suffering. But trust me, at some point, God has to step in and he says, look, how long are you going to mourn over this? You know, I still have a plan for your life, right? Right, Sabrina? Right? Down there in Oakwood and then back? Is that what it is? You know, I still got a plan for your life, right? There's still more that I have for you. We've gone through a season of mourning and grief, but now it's time to move on. And for Samuel, that looked like going to a little town that we sing about during Christmas time called Bethlehem and anointing the next king of Israel from among the sons of Jesse. But you got to understand that for Samuel to do this, this means that his life will be threatened because on the way from where he was in Ramah all the way to Bethlehem was Gebeah, where Saul was. He was actually going to go past where Saul was. And if Saul hears about this, his life is in danger. And so God gives him the cover of going to Bethlehem to offer a sacrifice. To invite also everyone, including, hello, the sons of Jesse. 
And Saul, Samuel rather, is going to go down there and he calls them in and he has them pass before, before him. But what they're all going to discover is that God was going and had intended to use somebody younger than they thought or would have even considered for the role of king. And when I think sometimes of our spaces, when I think sometimes of our mission and our, our ministry, I sometimes wonder if we have sometimes the same lens that Samuel had, the prophet, and Jesse and his sons had. Because you need to understand that up until this point, Samuel's experience in the rest of Israel, when it came to a king, was Saul-like in their mind. The profile of a king, the Bible says of, of, of Saul, was that he was head and shoulders and tall above everybody else. They had a profile in their mind as to what the king of Israel was supposed to look like. And it was still ingrained in their mind. Their current king, the king was still Saul in this moment. And so this is, we're going to see, is going to play out because guess what? Now God is going to say, I'm doing, listen, a new thing. I know it's in your mind, but I'm doing something new, and I'm going to use a young person to do it. Are you ready? Are you, are you ready, Samuel? Are you ready? Because how do we make the shift? How do, we, how do we become the difference? How do we create a safe space for our youth to fulfill the purpose that God has for their lives? And I believe if we come today to the sacred text with humble hearts, we will meet Jesus and the Holy Spirit will begin to move us into what he has for us in terms of creating a safe space for our youth. Amen? So I believe the pastor gave you a few moments now to go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I hope you're there. And if you're there, let me hear you say amen. I heard a few voices and one really good hearty amen. I don't know if everybody's there. Can you say amen if you're there? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, let's go now to verse number six of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Here we go. The Bible says, when they entered, when they entered, he, that's speaking of Samuel, looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his what? appearance or at the height of his stature because I have what rejected him for God sees not as man sees for man looks and that's humanity just throwing that in there for man or humanity looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at what the heart already if you're familiar with the story that's there unfolding you want to go back one, Christians? That's there unfolding in 1 Samuel. You're, you're, you're familiar with the, the story that, 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 that the children of Israel now, they're coming out of the phase of the judges, and they ask God for a king, right? And so then Samuel now is sent by God to go and anoint who would become King Saul. 
And already in your mind, you're probably thinking already, remember, Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else, right? This is the image, right? This is the imposing, kind of strong, kind of a good looking. This is a tall, dark, and handsome. Isn't, it? isn't that what we kind of say? You know, put the profile out there, kind of like Pastor CJ anyway. And, 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 and so we want that kind of a figure, right, in charge, right, in leadership, okay? And this is what's in their mind. But did you, did you notice that this is exactly what's described there in the text when Samuel sees Eliab? Because what's in, Eli what's in Samuel's mind when he sees Eliab? He's seeing Saul. And that's why the description there about him, right? That he was tall in stature. He looks like a king. And the moment he sees him, oh man, Samuel goes, oh, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But then notice another parallel, another connection that we see coming out of the story. Just as unfortunately Saul was rejected from being king, notice in the selection, Eliab is also rejected from being chosen as king. And they're both, Saul and Eliab, they're both rejected for the exact same reason. They both do not have a heart for God. They both don't have a heart for God. And God is trying to get us in the 21st century, just as he was trying to get Samuel back then, to focus on the main thing that he's focused on, to see people the way he sees them. He is looking at the transcript of the heart. That's what he's after. And if we're going to create a safe space, go ahead, Christian, for our youth and our space, then guess what? We've got to focus on the heart rather than appearance. We've got to focus on the heart instead of appearance. It's easy for us to make snap judgments when we see people, right? There's a word for it. It's called prejudice. You prejudge without having all the information. And it's easy for us to make snap judgments, especially of our youth, just based on appearances. You know, they say that rules or expectations without relationship actually is the thing that produces rebellion. You push them into rebellion. When you have expectations and rules that you, so many times it's just rules that you came up with that you can't even keep yourself. And, 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 and you put it on them, and you get upset, and you come with that spirit, and they read it, they, you don't even have to say a word, they already know what you're thinking and saying. And you literally push them into the very thing you're afraid for them getting into. Not just as parents, but even just as older adults here in, in, among the church. And God is saying, I need you to shift your gaze now. I need you to, I'm doing a new thing. I need you to focus on the heart instead of merely appearance. And I know what that's like because I'm in the same camp. I should be sitting on the other side listening to this sermon with you because I've done it myself. Occasionally I'm over here at the school. I'm giving a Bible study. I'm in a class doing kind of Bible Q&A and, and answering some of their Bible questions. Or I'm, I'm giving a message in chapel and I'm watching some of the kids and some of them look like they're distracted having conversation, having conversation, back in the day, having conversation with one another. And I'm like, oh, they're distracted. They're not focused on Jesus right now. And I'm saying, wait a minute. 
And you know what? Or you, or you see that maybe their countenance in a particular way or maybe an attitude that you, you see come out every now and then in certain moments. And, and in those moments, man, the thought that is, is tempted to come into my mind, I'm just confessing, the, the, the thought that comes into your mind is, oh, they're not really... They're not really interested in Jesus. They're not really interested in spiritual things until I'm at the playground and I'm listening and I'm overhearing them having conversation about what I said. And they come to me and ask me a Bible question, a sincere Bible question that they're trying to figure out. Until I go to their classes and not by my prompting, I just kind of walk by and overhear them having conversation about something in the Bible that we just talked about, about like a week or two ago, that I had even forgotten about because I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the next thing. Until pastor appreciation. And I actually get all the letters that they send me, you know? I, I mean, literally, like, it makes my life here at Vienna. I'm serious. Like, when I get all these, when I get these cards from these, from these kids, from these young people, and I read them, every single one. Matter of fact, I have pretty much all of them kind of stored. You know, I'm a little sentimental like that, so I'm just confessing that, too. And, and, and I'll actually read them, and one of them, I read in literally detail, like, verbatim, like, reciting core points in a message that I had preached months ago months ago and like literally this is someone that honestly i'm in class and sometimes they're like the class clown they're like always making jokes and always making light of you know and I, every now and then you have to just kind of every now and then go all right all right, all right let's, let's settle down and this person has retained like half my message until we just had recently we just had our, our week of prayer living with faith and one young lady, after the week of prayer, as soon as it was over, and we made the appeal, she comes to me and she, she says, you know, with a big smile on her face, oh, you know, Pastor CJ, um, I, know that, I, I, I don't know how this works, you know, but like, you know, I just wanted to know, can I, can I assist you as you give the, the baptism class? And, 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 and can I speak for chapel, which she will next week? And, and, and is it possible if, if I can offer special music at, at, at Vienna's worship experience, which she will next week? Because guess what? You've got to focus on what? You've got to focus on the, on the heart instead of, of appearance. Many of them are receiving deeply, getting rooted in their heart, Jesus and his word, more so than a moment can reveal. Already, Jesus for many of them is already taking root, but do you see it just sprout up and bear fruit and trees come, mangoes right away? No, it takes time. And so the appearance is going to be a little deceiving from time to time. But what you got to focus and you got to get past the surface, you got to look at the heart. And guess what? The only way for you to actually do it is spend time with them. Get to know them. That's what you got to do. So in the Bible, what is this heart, right? Because I, I, I was actually, I was actually um, on Facebook several years ago, and I remember seeing an older pastor post on Facebook something I found was quite interesting. Follow this. He says, I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. I've got, now which one do you typically want first? I've got good news and I, and I got bad news, bad news for you. I tend to want the bad news first because then I want to leave on the good news, okay? And, so, and so, so he says, look, bad news, God knows your heart. Good news, God knows your heart. That's how I like to receive it, but that's not how he actually posted it. He posted it the reverse. He said, look, I've got good news for you. 
God knows your heart. And then he followed it up with, I have bad news for you. God knows your heart. So what is the heart that God says he's looking after? He wants us to focus in on. What is that? It's just biblical, flowery language, like a real life. What, what, what is the heart? What is the heart? Because the Bible says, the Bible says that, that, that it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, Jesus will say in Matthew 12, right? The Bible will say in Proverbs, it will be Solomon who will say that, that as a person, or some translations will say as a man, but it's talking about a person, as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. And so what we get here is, is that the heart is the seat of the thoughts and the feelings that produce actions that form character. Are you hearing me? And so, and so here's what the heart is. The heart, I said another way, the heart is who you really are on the inside that increasingly gives expression on the outside. Are you hearing that? And so therefore, God is saying, here's what I need you to do. I need you to focus in on the heart of a person. If you're going to get a true sense of who that person really is, can we see things and indications and evidences externally? Absolutely. But you won't get the real gist. You won't get the full picture until you know the heart. And the only way you got to do that, the only way you can do that, number one, actually, before you even start looking elsewhere, the only way you can look for someone that's after God's own heart, which, by the way, means that the person is seeking after God's heart, God's character of love, so much so until their heart starts to become more like his heart. That's the man or the woman after God's own heart. And the only way you can actually discern that is, number one, you have to be someone that seeks after the heart of God. There's no way you can look for young people and see if they have a heart for God and actually discern and focus on the heart if you yourself are not chasing after the heart of God yourself. So the only way you're going to get spiritual discernment to see if someone's heart is beginning to seek after God's heart. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And therefore, what does that mean? It's a daily relationship with Jesus. I talk about this all the time, right? It's, it's praying, talking to God. It's reading and meditating on Scripture, listening to God. It's asking daily in your prayer time for the, the daily indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And through that experience, reading through the Scripture and focusing in on the character of God, which is love, summed up, it's love, particularly revealed in Jesus Christ. It's, it's that lens when you go to the scripture that allows you now to look around and search out like Samuel's doing for David for someone that is after God's own heart to where you can shift your paradigm from merely seeing the surface, merely seeing a liar with the ripped muscles like Pastor CJ. You know, I mean, just focus in, you guys get my humor, I hope, I hope by this point, right? That, that, to the point where you can now just focus in on their heart for God. You cannot do it unless you're doing it. Or you're going to misjudge somebody. All right. So, 
Here is Samuel now. He's got all seven of the sons that passed before him. And God says, nope, 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 none of them. And he's going, wait, something is off here. Something is wrong. He goes, look, God's word has never failed, has never failed. God is not one that should lie. And I invited Jesse to bring all his sons. So there's got to be another son. So he says, hey, look, is, is there another son? somewhere because um, God's rejected all of your sons here that I'm seeing. And seven is a really good biblical Adventist number. And so I'm going, look, that, 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 what, it should be one of them, but no, it's not. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we, we, we do got one more. Uh, he's out with the, uh, with the sheep. Can we give him the menial? You know, we, he's out. And, well, listen, we are not going to sit down. Now, you guys are tired. You can stand up. We're not going to sit down until you bring that son here. Let me see this other son. And the Bible says, come with me to verse 12. The Bible then says, so he sent and brought him in. Now he was, watch this, watch this. (laughs) Verse 12. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. Look, I'm secure in my relationship with my wife, but I can acknowledge when a guy looks good, it's okay. I can acknowledge when the guy, and, and clearly the inspired writer here was doing the same. He's going, look, the guy, he's a young guy, he's ruddy, he is got beautiful eyes, a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel, listen to this. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that's David, in the midst of his brothers. Listen, in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit, I love this line. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. I love that. I love that. Now, 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 to be honest with you, as, as... as I'm seeing this, this, this unfold, okay, have you noticed, number one, that, that Samuel still, it seems like Samuel still can't get off just kind of judging by immediate impression and appearance. Have you noticed that? He still has to describe, yeah, he's, got, he's handsome. He's still doing that thing where he, I, I, you know, so, so be encouraged. If Samuel struggles with that, right, there's some hope for us, okay? So he's still like, okay, the appearance, but, but then, but then, he obeys the word of Yahweh, and he goes, hey, let's, let's anoint him. This is him. He's the youngest. Okay, but, you know, he's the youngest, all right? But I got to be honest with you, and talk to me, family. If you're one of those seven brothers, those seven older brothers, right? I mean, you guys got younger siblings, right? The youngest, <laughs> right? The one that, from your perspective, seems to get away with everything that you did not get to get away with. And all seven of them have to stand there and watch David get anointed to be king in front of them. I'm just wondering, this is just me now, this is me and my little holy imagination, this is me now wondering, I wonder if that was what was in David's mind when he wrote Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies, you then what? Anoint my head with oil. Now I'm wondering, and if you see the rest of the story and how Eliab talks to him when he wants to go down there, right, and take on Goliath, 
I, they're just, they seem to be salty. And I just wonder if that just was in his mind as he was penning that. But, but watch this. Samuel now comes. He anoints David before David is appointed. He anoints David with oil, symbolic of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, comes mightily upon David. And here's what I want to share with you today. We need some Samuels right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak freely here to you. We need some Samuels right now, male and female. You want to say Samuelette. To anoint these young people. Because if we're going to create a safe space for youth to fulfill their purpose that God has for their lives, we've got to call them to receive the Spirit's anointing. It's good to my soul right now. I'm going to say it again. We need to call them to receive the Spirit's anointing. I feel this so deeply right now. Lord, help me. i got to let the people go. I was baptized at 12 years old. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s in seminary on my third degree that someone came and did a presentation at the seminary on the Holy Spirit. This man is now working at the GC. And it was so powerful that at the end, he, he, he opened and he said, who would like to receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit? And this man laid hands on me before I left and came into pastoral ministry. And I was, I, I don't know, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know, I've, I've read my Bible through several times now and particularly in the New Testament. I just see a pattern emerging that when somebody, whether uh, at or shortly thereafter, or even sometimes before when a new believer is baptized by water, someone will lay hands on that person that they should receive, listen, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So much so, I'm so stirred by this, that, I, that, that to, to be obedient to the Spirit and His Word. Whenever I do baptism, we just baptize grace. I, they get baptized in water, I lay hands on them, on their heads, so that they should receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the, oh Lord Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. John the Baptist said that when the, when the Messiah would come, the one that would, he said, I baptize you in water. But he that is coming after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Your baptism and your anointing of the Holy that, that is your ordination into ministry. We're fighting over stuff that's foolish. Amen. I'm going to say it again. It is foolish. And then truthfully... If you want to study the history, it comes from the papal system that we're protesting against. Jesus have mercy. We've added man-made stuff to it to the point now we're fighting over man-made stuff. When your baptism and the person laying the, the just a person, it's not, you don't even have to have a title. You're a disciple maker and you lay a hand on somebody and they get back. They receive the anointing, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, look at the life of Jesus. His baptism informs our own. Do you guys know that? 
He gets baptized, not because he has to, he does it on our behalf, yes? As an example, he gets baptized. He, no sooner does he come up out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes down upon him, and he becomes, in that moment, publicly, the Messiah or the Christ, which actually means the anointed one, the anointed king of Israel. The prophetic clock had struck. A.D. 27 is prophesied in Daniel 9. The Messiah would be anointed. Why? Because you who follow Messiah, when you get baptized, are to be anointed with the Holy Spirit, with vitality and with power. Yes? And so could it be that the reason we're not seeing so much power in our midst from our young people is because some Samuels in here have not laid hands on them that they should receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit? But let's not stop there. Let's go a little bit deep, deeper. Could it be that the reason we don't see that much power, latter rain power right now in these last days is because we have not received the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Why did I have to wait till I was in my 30s to get someone to lay hands that I can be received? And they don't have to have a title. They need to know Jesus and be anointed themselves. And not living in open rebellion and sin. All of us struggle, but not like rebellion, open rebellion. Said, yes? Anoint them. Anoint them. You pray daily for the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your daily. Look at, oh my goodness, Jesus, when he talks about the, the virgins, right? Talking about the last day church. The, the, the idea there is you pray daily for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You be filled with the Holy Spirit. You mom, you elder, you teacher, you person here, thank God, certified, right? We're a safe place for our children. Certified and trained, right? Shield the vulnerable, right? You anoint them with the Holy Spirit, Listen, with permission from mom and dad, appropriately, you get the olive oil, you go to your child's room, and you place your hand, you go to that son, that you, uncle, whoever, you come with their parents' permission, and you lay hands on them. And pray, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, I plead the blood of Jesus, and you, Holy Spirit, now, fill their lives. You are wanting them to do something that they can't do themselves. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only. Only. You anoint them. You speak life into them. You mentor them. You guide them. You release them into their calling. Did you notice that Samuel walked away and went home after he anointed them? He didn't sit there and go, okay, now, well, let me just try to clean you up, make sure you do it exactly the way I, because back when I got anointed, and you know, when I got baptized, this is how it got, no, 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 no. God, you do you. You, do you. he went home. Woo, I feel this, Lord, I got, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up now. Here we go. Uh, as, the, as, as Samuel is used by God to anoint David, the Holy Spirit fills him mightily. The Holy Spirit then departs from Saul. Saul had been rebelling against God, and he was resisting the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Holy Spirit then rem removing his presence and power from his life only left now the, 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 the door of his heart open for a tormenting spirit that the Lord allowed. I know your, your Bible will make it seem like God himself was the one that sent an evil spirit. God, don't do that. Read your Bible all the way through. God will permit 
because we push him away. It's not arbitrary on God. We push him away, and then the only other option, <laughs> you left the vacancy. And so watch this now. One of Saul's servants, uh, and, and I want to meet this guy one day in heaven. One of Saul's servants says, you know what? I just believe the power of music, the Holy Spirit, you know, he, he, he gives the gifts, right? For us to, 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 to use gifts of instrument playing and singing, whatever. And I just believe that, that, that somebody that is gifted to play a harp, if he plays for you in your court, I just believe that that evil tormenting spirit is going to flee. And guess who he recommends? Come to verse 18 as we close. Come to verse 18. The Bible says, Then one of the young men said, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the, Bethlehem, the Bethlehemite, who is a, listen, a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor. I wonder how does he know? A warrior, one prudent in speech, and hand, a handsome man. Everybody just keeps noticing how good-looking David is. A handsome man. The Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the flock. Notice that as he has received the anointing of the Holy Spirit has come upon him mightily now, he has gifts that the Holy Spirit uses that makes room for him and gives him access to the court of the king that he will eventually rule himself. Because what Saul is doing here, and you know, in spite of how the story will continue to go for Saul, Saul is actually, by inviting and giving David access to his court, he is actually positioning David by the providential working of the Holy Spirit. He's actually positioning David to fulfill his purpose. And guess what? If we're going... If we're going to create a safe space for our youth, then listen, we've got to give them, if you want to go to the next slide, we've got to, thank you, we've got to give them access to fully use their spiritual gifts. Every word is intentional there. You've got to give them access to fully use their spiritual, what? Gifts to the salvation of souls for the kingdom of God. You've got to fully release them and not hinder them. Or guess what? You have to answer to the same Holy Spirit that anointed them. That's not a light thing. It should sober us that the Holy Spirit departed from Saul who later on in the story would seek to block David, would seek to hinder David from using his gifts in the space where he leads, when the Spirit intended for him eventually to replace him. And here's the thing we need to take away. Don't, don't be intimidated by a young person who God has gifted and is using their spiritual gifts in a way that maybe you did not see you. You know, I've sat in some meetings where I've cringed on the inside because people were blocking young people access because they're young. 
or even block them access from fully, listen, fully using their spiritual gifts because the way that gift is being used does not sit well with my preference. And I'm wondering in my mind, I'm saying, but wait a minute, should we not just be looking at the heart for Jesus and if they have the gifting through the Holy Spirit? Because then, guess what? You're not fighting against man at that point. You've ceased from fighting against man. You're fighting against God. Without apology, I say that. You're fighting against God. Unless someone is just rebellious and is totally just blaspheming God. No, if they have Jesus abiding in the heart and they are using their gifts because they want to glorify him, get out of the way. You should want them to replace you. Moses looks for Joshua, trains Joshua, and releases Joshua to take over. You should not be intimidated by a young person who has a gift and uses it differently than you. It's actually your job. One of the first jobs of a disciple maker, one of the first jobs of a leader in any ministry here at Vienna, your first job is to look for and train your replacement. This is discipleship. This is disciple. You should want them to replace. That's actually our job. This is how we raise up a movement of last day young disciple makers. For this movement to actually end triumphantly, which it's prophesied to, we have to get in line with the Holy Spirit and we have to give them full access. We need to give them the ability to use fully their spiritual gifts. Listen, at the NFL has figured this out. They don't put older people with salt and pepper like me on the front lines to win games and, 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 and play uh, plays, do they? Older athletes equip and train and then release young athletes to go and win games. The military has figured this out. They put young people on the front lines to win battles because they have older soldiers that train and equip them and release them. Jesus understood this. Because guess what he did? He chose young people to launch his kingdom movement, which changed the world. And God understands this in these last days, because guess what? He went and he chose some young people that were longing for the return of Jesus Messiah. And he released into the world a movement, the Advent movement, that is now preparing a people for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Are you going to create a safe space for youth? That's the question. Not a safe place for your comfort or your traditions. If it's not Bible, we don't need to be having a conversation. Do they know Jesus and do they want to actually use their gifts to use it? Then let's equip them, train them, get out the way. Pass the baton. I want to go home. Don't you? It, expect it to look differently than it was when you came in. Throughout salvation history, it always looks different. Just go through the Bible. You'll see always. It has to. The message, Jesus, the gospel, the word does not change. The character of God doesn't change. But the method will always change. It must to reach a present generation. We will create a safe space for youth. When we focus on the heart instead of appearance, we will. I believe so. We will. When we, when we start to actually call them, to receive the Holy Spirit's anointing, and we will create a safe space for youth. When we give them access to fully use their spiritual gifts.
This is not a message of younger generation versus older generation. Please, 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 no. They need the older generation. You play a vital role for the mission. Train them. Search for them. Release them to do what God has called them to do. Somebody right now, as we get ready to sing, we're going to invite the praise team up. Someone right now recognizes that David's anointing, the story of David's anointing, was to actually push us forward to the true anointed Messiah who had come. And he was anointed by the Holy Spirit to live a life in every way that revealed the love of the Father. And then he gave his life on the cross for, listen, the multitude of your sins. And then on that Sunday morning, he rose victorious from the grave, having secured your salvation for, for eternity. So that now, with his nail-pierced hands, the good news is, he stretches forth his nail-pierced hands and offers you the abundance of his forgiveness and his grace so that you too can be anointed with the Holy Spirit to fulfill his purpose for your life. Please... Thank you for listening to Living For Him Podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.